The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Front Porch Phrase Country. This is the Tomahawk Take Podcast, Off Leo's Rocker. I'm here with Fred Owens. Hi. <laughs> we are trying to see if we can figure out this Atlanta Braves team in the wake of what was kind of a disaster in New York last week when we weren't uh, broadcasting, and probably a good thing because we weren't real happy back then. The Braves kind of messed around and kicked the ball around and didn't hit very well and didn't pitch very well at times. And the Mets took four out of five against the the Braves, which has caused some kind of consternation here. At one point, the Braves were half a game out of first place. Now they're seven out. That's not real good. That's that's setting them up for a probable wild card position at this point because it's going to be very difficult, even though they have uh, several head-to-head games to go. It's going to be difficult to overcome the Mets, who still keep on winning. And even if the the Braves continue to to match them, seven games at this stage of the season is going to be hard to make up. To be absolutely fair, we've had some black holes in the lineup this year, and you know, second base is one. Uh, the 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 designated hitter is another uh, that just hasn't that just hasn't hit. Uh, before Michael got in center field, uh, we didn't have a hitter there. By the way. Nobody hits high fastballs uh, with a higher OPS than Michael Harris the second. Uh, he has a 990 OPS against high fastballs. I'm going to suggest pitchers are going to stop throwing those to him. I I think, uh, but um, I mean he's got a higher OPS than than, than Soto than than anybody right at, since he's been up here. So Harris has been good. Ronnie hasn't produced power. He's got average um, left field and even with Eddie back. Hasn't picked up very much. Uh, everybody else just seems to be okay, but that second base designated hitter left field area has been a pit that we can't seem to climb out of. Uh, we strike out way too much, and we rely on home runs more than anybody. Uh, it's just uh, it's just awful, particularly when you run into Scherzer de Grom, uh, who don't give them up and keep the ball on the ground, and their defense plays solid. That was the story of the weekend for me. Yeah, and at this point, uh, the Braves are still the leader in the wild card race. They're three and a half games up on the Phillies and, and another half a game on the Padres. The, the thing I'm fearing is that uh, we've got a hot team behind us in the Phillies that could catch up and that make things a little more interesting there. The, the thing that we don't want to see happen is the Braves lose that 
number one seed in the wild card. Well, it's really the four seed overall. That would put them on the road for wild card games, and that does that's not a recipe for success. So we we, we want to see this ship get righted here. And the the Braves made a bold move this week that we'll talk about a little later, in that they they brought up their number one prospect Vaughn Grissom to try and give some life back into the second base position while we're still waiting on the return of Ozzy Albies. Robbie Cano is gone. Orlando Arcia got injured. Now we're, we're down to a, a double A guy who's had a rousing debut in Boston last night. But like I say, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Meanwhile, there are some other injuries that have cropped up for the Braves that are causing some additional consternation. Travis Darno got hurt in that Mets series when he got slid into by the polar bear. Max Freed uh, bounced his head off the turf, and now, as of today, he's been thrown on the concussion protocol list. The indications that we get are that he's not in terribly bad shape, but this will permit the, the Braves to get him slotted in against the Mets next week when, when they face those, those guys again. But in terms of just hitting and the offensive production, it's not going to get a lot easier for Atlanta over the next week because they're facing Miami and all of their pitching, the Mets again, and then the Houston Astros who are, who are giving everybody fits in the American League right now. So the schedule's not exactly in their favor, but they're just going to have to persevere because they really do, do need to get some wins under their belts. Well, we've got to have better of that. I mean, honestly, I know you've got to swing early on DeGrom. You can't get it behind him. But we just seem to be trying to hit a home run every time. And, and I know that I'm not asking everybody to change who they are. I'm just asking them to remember who's on the mound and what your, what your percentage is of, of getting that, that home run off of him on something. Dansby got him. He made a mistake, and Dansby got it. And he was terribly upset about that, if you saw him when he went back in the dugout. Having said that, for six innings, he was perfect. And there was nothing that anybody could have done against that. Now, when the bullpen came in, that was our chance, and we didn't take it. I think that that's got to be the strategy is to get them out of the game Try not to get behind, uh, play the defense. See, the defense let Strider down bad on Sunday. Uh, we had, we had balls, Dansby threw ball away, uh, ball hit the bag, went behind them. I know all about the BA, BIP bug, but you know, the, the numbers say that we're just probably as good, well off about that as anybody else. I just think that we just got a little sloppy and we hit pitchers at the peak of their game. Scherzer's on a roll. DeGrom, he's coming back. He's playing for a big contract. Uh, even Bassett, he went out the next night and put on a performance in their next game that was, you know, worthy of the first two. So you're not going to get easy pitchers uh, in any of these games, although we do miss Alcantara and Rodriguez out of Florida. Uh, but we're still going to get <laughs> the Houston Astros traded us a starting pitcher and still have six. Okay, so <laughs> and one of them's Justin Verlander. Uh, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. So it's not going to get easier from here on. And uh, you've got to sort of know who you're pitting it and have a plan when you go to the plus, the num button, the top button, uh, because we're just not going to hit a bunch of home runs off of these guys and, and get through like like the, like we have in the past. We, this is not last year's Mets. These guys are relentless. They're in there. They never give up. You know, you see Lindor hitting the ball the opposite way. You see... 
Alonso sitting, hitting the ball the opposite way. Everybody's taking what the pitcher's giving him and doing something with him, and that's the effect of having Buck Showalter in the dugout telling him that that's what they've got to do if they want to ring. So we have to have that mentality, too. We have to get back on there and get under control of it and understand what we can and can't do and then play to, to our strength against what they give us. Funny, it seems that the Mets are doing to us what Braves did to other teams in the last couple of years, uh, fighting late, uh, coming back relentlessly, and having that never-give-up attitude. So uh, Them that, and the Phillies, too, by the way. Them the and the Phillies, came, too, the yes. Phillies were, the Phillies were getting their butt handed to them, and all of a sudden they, they kicked El Contra out of the game and won. Yeah, that that kind of stuff uh, needs to, to be back as part of the mentality for the, for this Braves squad. I don't, I just don't understand how they could come into a, a five game Mets series and not be effectively ready for it. It seemed like they were mentally flat the whole weekend, other than that two innings against Walker. Or maybe, maybe they had that two innings and figured, okay, well the rest of this is going to be easy. And no, it wasn't. And I, I hope that was uh, enough of a wake up call to get him going. They, well, you know, I, again, the two innings against Walker, and like you said, they sort of sat back, or it looked like they sat back, and we almost lost that game. True and, enough. you know, if, if Anderson hadn't had his typical eight-run lead, we, we probably would have. I mean, really, uh, we got nothing off the other wall. I mean, we should have beaten Cookie Carrasco. Carrasco's a good pitcher, but we can beat Cookie Carrasco, except we didn't. And that we got out there against Peterson, and we, should, we hit left-handed pitchers, except we didn't which means that their game planning was better than ours because they executed it, and if we had one, I couldn't see it. You're right on the uh, lineups for for the pitching next week. It's it's Carrasco again to start off with, and followed by Walker, and then Scherzer and DeGrom for the Wednesday and Thursday games. Well, I'm surprised. (laughs) Yeah, big, big shock there. The good news, I suppose, is that in the Houston series, Justin Verlander is not among the three that we expect to face there. It'll be McCullers Jr., Javier and Urquidy, who we beat up on in the World Series. We'll have to see how that all pans out, but they've got, like I say, they got their work cut out for them. I hope they're ready for it because, uh, it's, it's going to be, yeah, a chance to get buried if they let other teams take it to them. So they, they need to be the ones dishing it out and having the better at bats and, uh, tightening things up all around. So that, that's essentially the way the, the schedule looks in the next week, week and a half. Uh, gets a little slightly easier afterwards. Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Colorado are the next three series after that that takes us to the end of August. But by that point, the Braves better be at least within striking distance if they're going to have any shot at the division. Otherwise, it may be hosting uh, San Diego uh, for the first round of the playoffs. We'll see how that goes. We, we've got we've got a whole Odorizzi uh, continues to be. I, I want to say a word about how Jake Odorizzi did. Okay. Yeah. He, he was not beaten. We let him down defensively. We put him in a hole, um, and and he pitched really pretty well, considering what you expect from Jake. He's a, he's a fourth or fifth starter. He kept us in the game. He didn't give up any any serious serious uh, mistakes. He'd walk a bunch of people or anything. Um, defense let him down, uh, and I think Odorizzi did fine. I I I think he'll be be fine in the rotation, and I think he'll he'll hang around and do us good work. But the, the rest of the rotation has got to come up, and, and the defense and lineup has to, has to jump in there. They just have to do Yeah, before the trade deadline, we talked about what kind of pitcher we needed, and it was a guy with a ERA in the neighborhood of four who had 
pitch some innings and keep you in ball games. That's exactly what he did. And there's there's absolutely nothing I saw that uh, was a problem with uh, what Odorizzi did. Yeah, he maybe had a first inning jitter or something that gave up a run or so. But um, other than that, he was fine. And that's the kind of guy we, we were hoping to get, and that's the kind of guy that this team needs. I'm still not sure what the plans are long term for Ian Anderson or even short term for that matter. He's he's been essentially relegated to the 27th man duty in the double headers that will from last weekend and and the one coming up Saturday. So largely I'm wondering if the demotion to AAA was essentially procedural to get things going and maybe give him a little bit of a wake up call as well. But uh, I don't think he's going to do much actual pitching at the triple a level since they continue to have him penciled in for major league duty for these double headers. But so we'll, we'll see what happens, what they choose to do with him after Saturday's double header. But uh, I don't know. Do you have a different thought of about how that's going to come down, Fred? Well, I think they kept him around so the credits could work him every day. Uh, they're going to send him to Gwinnett after the after the doubleheader on Saturday. That's almost certain, unless there's another injury, unless something happens or something like that. Once he pitches on Saturday, he's going to Gwinnett. Yeah, and, thirteen and pitcher gonna, rule. They're gonna they're gonna work on him down there. Uh, but here's the thing about Ian: his stuff is okay, but for him to be good, his location has to be perfect. He can't miss where he's he's missing this year over the fat part of the plate. And he can't do that. He can't live there. Uh, his stuff has to look like it's a strike and then fall away, fall away off the plate. He has to hit the, hit the very high and low corners and he has to go east, west, north and south on that. And he can't get on, get in that outer third or inner third of the plate because uh, for him, he doesn't throw hard enough, doesn't have enough movement in there to do it. Uh, his pitching plus stuff says he's fine, but he needs location. His location is bad. And so he's going to, if he's missing over the plate and, it, and that hasn't changed, then I don't expect him to slot back into that rotation as long as Odorizzi does well. And certainly uh, not in the postseason because uh, we can't give up those kind of runs in the postseason. We can't have people walking uh, because he's missing off the plate and they're not swinging to his stuff because he's not shown he can throw it for a strike. So I, I think that was the idea, getting back down to, to uh, Gwinnett where they can maybe get him back throwing pitches that look like strikes and and making the batter think that they are going to be strikes because that's the problem right now they just they aren't scared of his pitches his changeup was a ball or it was a home run it was just that way <laughs> and and you can't live like that yeah i think i'm with you the schedule this week has actually and combined with freed's injury has sort of allowed the the team to shuffle around these guys a little bit the fact they've got two off days this week so uh, there's there's no hurting in terms of trying to make guys pitch when uh, on short rest or anything like that. So I think that's going to help out. But at the same time, um, we we do want this kid to get uh, right, and getting him a couple of starts at least at Gwinnett would certainly help that.
to the more interesting topic, I guess, for this week, and that's the fact that uh, the Braves decided to go bold and bring up Vaughn Grissom. Largely, that was because they're kind of running out of options. We were kind of, among among us writers, we were kind of trying to figure out, okay, well, let's see, RC is hurt. Who are they going to go get that's been recently released? And we are kind of going through the list, and... There wasn't a lot of appealing options there, I guess. So instead, they've decided to pluck from Double A a kid that was hitting 360 over the three weeks or so that he's been in Double A and was hitting over 300 at High A before that. Hasn't had a lot of pro experience still at this point. Yet, just like Michael Harris, they've decided to to go deep into the farm system and and grab this kid and and bring him up. First game. Good results. Homer and a rope to single to left center. I don't know that that's going to continue necessarily, but uh, at the same time, great start. And he did, he point, acquitted himself well in the field as well. So he might be a good bridge until Ozzy can come back. The question at that point becomes, what in the world do you do with Von Grissom? What do you think, Fred? Well, uh, first of all, uh, Everybody knows I love Ozzy. I think Ozzy's the heartbeat of the team when he's playing well. He didn't play well this year. Um, he wasn't hitting before his injury, uh, and he, he was he was striking out way too much. I wonder how good Ozzy's going to be when he comes back. I don't think he's going to be back the first of the month. I'm you know if he doesn't come back to the middle of September, who are you better off with? The player who has been playing and is in a groove, or the guy who's trying to find his groove? By the way, Grissom uh, is the eighth player in MLB history with multiple hits, multiple runs, multiple RBIs, and a stolen base in his major league debut. He's in pretty good company. Who keeps track of all this? Uh, I, uh, that's, that came from the Red Sox. <laughs> that came from the Red Sox. The Red Sox, Red Sox Nation uh, stat team put that out there on Nesson. And that's, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I You know, the question, because I, the baseball perspectives, if you subscribe to it, has an article today that says the call up Vaughn Grissom. Okay, Atlanta, now you're just showing off. <laughs> they brought Grissom up, and this was another one of Dana Brown's guys. I mean, Dana Brown went to watch uh, a pitcher and came back saying, "Yeah, but that's that shortstop. He's pretty good. We should grab him." Uh, and he's done. It's almost like Michael Harris. He's come up. He's hit. He doesn't strike out. He doesn't. He puts the bat on the ball. He drives the ball hard. He's got sure hands. He's got a nice arm. Uh, his range isn't very much for a shortstop, but he can handle second or third really well. Uh, and the question becomes, okay, so Ozzy comes back, and, and he's not hitting, but Grissom is. Uh, but you, you go with Grissom, don't you? I mean, I, you, don't you have to do that, ride the hot hand while he is? You can't have throw cold, cold bat in the lineup and let him strike out all the time? I mean, I'm sure they'll get Ozzy at bats. And I'll sure that I'm sure that they'll do their best to get him in there. But when it comes down to uh, to the you know, digging the ditch, I think you got to give Grissom the shovel in this particular case and let him stay there. He's not overwhelmed by it. Harris took him aside and said, "Look, just a baseball game, son. Just play baseball." <laughs> and that's that's our veteran Michael Harris doing that. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you know, I think if Grissom is hitting and playing the defense, we know he can play. I think. They'll try to work Ozzy in, but if Ozzy doesn't hit, I think they'll ride Grissom 
And that begs the question, well, what do you do it next year? Do you, you can't, after you've given Grissom, after you've given Grissom two months in the major leagues, you gonna send him to AAA for seasoning? I don't think so. Uh, then where do you put him? Okay. Uh, and I don't think they're gonna make him an outfielder. Um, so it becomes a question of where do you find him? How, how do you find him playing time? Um, if he's a second or third baseman, Riley's an MVP candidate. So where does that leave? I, I'll leave that up. I'll just throw that out there and let you swing at that. <laughs> well, I, I like Grissom if for no other reason. The fact that he's from my old stomping grounds. I went to UCF. I'm a UCF grad and Oviedo, his hometown is right down Alafay Trail from, uh, the university. So I'm familiar with the area and I'm, uh, I, I do like the story that they were over at his high school scouting Riley Green, and uh, he ended up going number five overall to Detroit. But, uh, oh, looky what I found also. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's sometimes not so much who you're looking for, but when you look for them, it's, it's almost like the, the schedule, not to who you play, but when you play them. So I think this is a great find and a, a great realization that you don't have to as a scout, you don't have to go in there with tunnel vision. You look for talent and wherever you find it. And, and uh, that's that's where they've done this time. Baseball America is essentially in agreement with uh, baseball prospectus on the scouting outlook uh, of Grissom. And that is that he's probably a second base or third base kind of guy, maybe not shortstop. But at the same time, he could be a utility guy o- overall. And I I, the thing I dread is the idea that they might try to do this super utility thing like Johan Camargo 2.0. Cause I don't think that, well, it clearly didn't work for him once he kind of thought he could hit home runs. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Grissom. It, it's way too early to, to try and make a guess on that. But at the same time, um, I do like the idea of giving a kid a position and leaving him there. Now, that does present a problem because his best position is probably second base, and we've got a second baseman signed up for a while. But at the same time, if Ozzy continues to decline, and he has been, that may become a problem. He has been a excellent hitter throughout the minor leagues, Ozzy Albies was, uh, hitting 300 or better at almost every stop he had. Yet what we've discovered is that he can't hit anything other than a fastball. Pitchers have discovered that too, and they've stopped throwing him fastballs as often. That is part of the problem. Uh, you, you suggested, Fred, that um, another part of the problem is that he fell in love with the idea of hitting home runs, and that's probably the case as well. But certainly the baseball itself has not lent itself to flying out of the park so often this year. While he's seeing every, while Ozzy's seeing everybody else hit home runs and, and such, he's just not getting the pitches that he's used to seeing to do that. And that's why he's been hitting in the low 200s the entire year. So yeah, Brian Snicker has had this, uh, habit of going with the hot hand. And the question then becomes whether Grissom is going to have that hot hand. He's going to have close to a month to find out though. Because I think he's going to get everyday playing time until the point Ozzy returns, and then we'll see what happens from there. Because I don't think Ozzy's going to be back major league ready till probably close to mid-September, and at that point you have to wonder: is he going to be up and uh, playing and hitting shape sufficiently for the playoffs? And that that becomes a quandary with the calendar. 
it's going to be one of those wait and see moments, I think. But uh, long term, I think there's a, maybe a, a perhaps a bigger question to be resolved. But part of that's also going to have to be determined by what happens at shortstop. I don't think either one of those guys is a long-term solution at shorts at shortstop. They may be a short-term solution, but if you can't re-sign Dansby Swanson, another topic that we probably should get into, then you've got to figure that out. And I, I, I don't know. The, right now, the thing for me is we need to get Dansby signed. And then we need to figure out what's going on at second base uh, for the long term and see if uh, Grissom is the guy there or if he needs to be flipped for something else. Yeah, and, I, I, I think yeah. if I can jump in, I think we Please. need to worry about this year right now, okay? Uh, and, and we need to concentrate on getting it done. I don't think Dansby's going to get done this year. I think if it was going to be done, it would have been done the same time that they did Austin's contract. I think Dansby's going to hit free agency, and I'll save this year what I said last year. If he hits free agency without a, without a contract, if he gets by the quiet period when nobody can talk to him but the Braves and he hasn't got a contract, the chances of him returning are very slim. Yeah. Because that's the way it works. It's just, you look at all the free agents that have hit out there and the ones who've come back after the quiet period are very, very small, few, uh, few in number. Uh, and I know that Anthony's from Atlanta and he, Wants to live there. He got a home there. But if he doesn't, uh, if they can't get to an agreement before the first uh, or the second of December, I'm 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 sure he's. I, well, I bet money a uh, marble stroke or string that he'd he'd end up somewhere else, and the Braves would be fishing for an alignment. But that's postseason. Right now, we need to we need to get settled on who we're going to play. And for right now, that Swanson, he's playing the top of his game. Riley's on M- MVP pace. Our center fielder is hitting fastball, high, hard fastballs better than anybody in, in the world right now. Acuna looks like he's getting some of his swag back. William Contreras is hitting. Um, Dar- maybe the rest will give Darno some, some pop when he comes back. We need to get settled into whether it's the Padres or whether we're, we sit out and watch everybody else play. Uh, we have to figure that out first, and then we'll worry about what happens after. after. Sounds good. Besides which, well, I mean, you do have a month now where you're going to see Grissom at the major league level, see how he reacts, see how he adjusts, and the coaches will get to see him every day. That's going to be invaluable information that will probably help the front office make some of these decisions for the longer term. But, yeah, right now you got to worry about the, the here and now. you got to worry about the playoffs to come up, and you got to make sure this team gets there and gets there playing well. And yeah, that's that's going to be part of the deal is is trying to put the best team out there every day that you can. And obviously we we've talked about this at length that uh, there are some elements of the team right now that we would rather not have in the lineup on an everyday basis. Uh, sometimes, you know, these injuries come to pass and, and you have to make adjustments and that's what's happened this week with uh bring up uh this kid Grissom. Uh, I, I really like his enthusiasm. I like his charisma. I like the, the fact that everything we hear about him is, is good in terms of his makeup and, and discipline and doing a bat flip at your first homer in a, in a foreign stadium like Boston. That, that was impressive. <laughs> of course, the home run itself was impressive. And I heard somebody this morning on the MLB network radio says, Hey, 
you hit a ball like that, you can bat flip anything you want. <laughs> yeah, I think that was more or less uh, he hit it and he went, oh, my God, and he just let go of the bat. Uh, I think I mean, so, he, too. He was yeah. fully excited. Like, I, I, that wasn't like a look at the dugout and fling it. That was just, oh, look, I think that's a home run. And he said <laughs> he didn't He said he said didn't hear or feel anything until he saw EY at first base. And and then he started to laugh. So I, th- I think, you know, that wasn't like, a, gee whiz, I'm a pimp. It looked good. But I think that was more or less just, hey, I hit it, and look where that's gone. Oh, hey, that's over the fence. I should run. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but he's a fine young kid. He handled himself well in the interviews. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, and his family was there and he was just, it was just a wonderful night for the Braves and for him. Um, and I, I hope he sticks around and does it for us because we're going to need it. Yeah. Let's talk real quick about this Dansby thing. Um, you know, we were talking about the cost of not getting him signed. And my concern is that, I, you know, we don't know how far apart the two sides are. We clearly expect that they, they have a gap, and it's probably fairly sizable. Otherwise, i I got to think they would have gotten this thing figured out by now. But my concern is, let's say Alex Anthopoulos wants to offer him 16 or $17 million for however many years it is. And let's say that uh, Dansby's camp wants something on the order of 2021, 20, 22. That those may be reason, re, those may be realistic figures. They may not be, uh, but it it does represent uh, a sizable gap. My concern is what it will take for the Braves to replace him, replace his production, replace the captaincy on the infield that he represents, and. And there may be some element of goodwill in the fans as well that uh, may be at risk here too if they don't get him re-signed. And I just my my suspicion is if the Braves don't just say okay, we'll throw in a couple extra million here for you, then they're going to lose him, and I I think that'll cost them a lot dearly, a lot more dearly down the road. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, I you know. Look, there there are a handful of um, shortstops in the, in the major leagues right now that are better than – as good as or better than Swanson. And you've got Lindor. He's not going anywhere. Uh, you've got uh, Seager in Texas. He's not going anywhere. The Dodgers are going to be in after Turner again. He's not going anywhere. Uh, you're starting to run out of – starting to run out of shortstops to comp him with. Uh, Correa's not having a good year in Minnesota uh, there was always there was always a question about whether he was going around, but he's he's in that he's in that uh, discussion too. And when you get past that, said so what are you looking at? You're looking at uh, Jose Iglesias, 33 years old, out of Colorado. Uh, Hong Sun Kim out of uh, out of uh, the Padres. Uh, what what are you looking at for to replace Dansby Swanson? Uh, and you know, I last time we talked, I comped him to to uh, uh, Brandon Crawford. Uh, who is six years, seventy-five million back in in 2015 when he signed that contract? That would that would roughly roughly be six years and uh, you know six years and 108, 110 million dollars now, just because of the inflation and the way it is and scarcity of the contract. So I think if you I think you're going to be over a hundred million dollars for him, and I think the years are more important than the money uh, in his case because you can get a higher AAV maybe, uh, but the years are always something that the players want. 
And I think that, you know, that's going to be the kind of thing. Is it five or six? I know he's not going to go past six. I know that. Um, and I don't know whether it's five and an option or whether it's six and an option or what it is. But I think I don't know who you who you slot in there that's going to provide leadership, offense and the defense that Dansby gives you. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to disagree with this, but I just don't see I don't see what it is out there. Now, I'm not suggesting that they just give him a blank check because I wouldn't do that either. Uh, but I think he wants to stay. I think he saw what happened to Freeman. I don't know who's going to come in for him next year, but I'm certain there'll be clubs come in for him. And they'll, there may be clubs that offer offer more in terms of uh, annual value. I don't suspect anybody's going to be on five or six years with him because uh, he is he's going to be 29 next year. So I just think, you know, you got to offer him a fair, fair thing, and if he be, he does stupid bargaining, then you got to let him go and try to try to play from there. But I don't know where you go. The opportunity cost of signing him, if it's two million a year, uh, and the opportunity cost of signing him ten million dollars over five or six years, that's that's chump change in baseball today. And I think you, you've got to look at the opportunity cost and say, yeah, well, at the end of the contract, he may not be that good, but we'll find a place for him at that point. So yeah, I I just think it's. Uh, it's something you got to consider. I would certainly have been trying to get it by now, but apparently they aren't close, and uh, we just don't know what's going to happen. I don't expect anything until after the World Series now, uh, because it, it just there's just too much going on, and nobody wants the dist- distraction. Yeah, I'm afraid so. That that seems to be about right. Uh, Xander Bogarts is on a six-year, $120 million deal. My suspicion is that uh, that's what his agent is probably shooting for, something on that order. Uh, And really, Dansby has outperformed him this year. This is the only year he's outperformed him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that may be where Alex Anthopoulos and his team are, are coming from, is is the fact that they don't know if he's going to be able to sustain this breakout that uh, has been happening. But right now you've got a, uh, a top tier, Lindor, Swanson, Trey Turner, Bogarts, and to some extent Corey Seager and, and Tommy Edmond at St. Louis. Uh, that's about it. Then there's a big drop-off. And if you don't get one of these top tier guys and you got to figure out how to replace that production as well as the defense. And right now he's one of the few guys that are providing that. So yeah, opportunity cost is the right word, uh, right phrase. It's going to be one of those deals where you're already in for X amount of money. Probably should go ahead and, and, go a little bit extra and make sure you get this kid locked up for for several more years. And now with that, you have your core of team and you know what your costs are going to be in the future uh, largely. And you just have to worry about guys around the fringes at that point. Because, you know, I mean, really the, the Braves have a lot of their team spoken for already in terms of payroll for next year, uh, either guys under team control or on long-term contracts. And that's not to to be sniffed at. You've got if you have your cost surety uh, established, then you know what you can do for for everything else. You can go after a big free agent if you want to. You can go make sure that you shore up a position, maybe with another long term contract someplace. But yeah, when you've got guys that are playing at this level and want to be there, 
you you gotta gotta do something to try and get him back. And I certainly hope that's the case with Dansby, but I'm with you. I think that we would probably known that by now. And so far, there's no news coming out of the Braves camp, certainly, or uh, Swanson's camp about uh, how things are going there. Yeah, as, as Bogarts has uh, got get earning twenty million a year for the next three years, and he's earned his vesting option to opt out, uh, and he's going to be looking for more than that. Okay, he thinks he's he's going to play with he's going to play in the same area that uh, Corey Seager and Lindor and are playing are playing in. I'm not sure he's going to be successful in doing that. He may get a little bump, uh, but. I, I think that you know he's also he's also six months older than Dansby. Uh, I I the, the the bottom line of this is I don't think you're going to get replace Dansby for the same money you could get Dansby for. And I I just think that the, the, there have to be doing something within reason uh, to to do that. And then if you don't, then you have to apply that money that you didn't get you spend on Dansby. You have to apply it somewhere else in the lineup. You have to produce that or get that production somewhere else in the lineup. You're going to spend the money somewhere. Uh, so maybe you you pick up try to pick up a guy like Kim who's only going to make eight or seven or eight or ten million, and then you spend the other twelve million uh, on another another player, another uh, free agent outfielder or, or a free agent pitcher to stick in the in the lineup with with Freed and Soroka and Wright next year, uh, and and do something with it. But you you can't sit on that and say, well, I didn't have to pay that twelve million dollars, uh, and and I got away with it. Um, and and then come up short. You just can't do that. This 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 is the window. Uh, it's open now. We got to put a stick under it and keep it open and and stay in that stay in the race as long as we can. That's exactly it. The window is wide open, really, and you've got it going for. I don't know. I can foresee three four years easy uh, of sustained contention uh, for a World Series title. And that changes if you don't have a guy like Swanson there, or or at least his production. And they're already going to probably try and figure out how to get rid of Marcelo Zuna's contract in the offseason, but you're not going to do that cheaply. You can definitely be penny-wise and pound-foolish here if you don't watch out. And I know we're playing with millions of dollars, not just pennies here, but at the same time, you got to be smart about how how it's done, and right now I think the smart play is get this kid under contract and and bring him back. Yeah, I think you've got to do that. I don't see how you do anything else. Any other ideas or thoughts or you know rants that you want to go on there before we get off the porch here, Fred? I don't want anybody to shortchange the Phillies. The lineup in the Phillies since the trade deadline, when they brought in uh, Davey Robertson for the bullpen, um, they brought in Thor. And all of a sudden, the starters are going deeper in games. And when they get to the back of the bullpen, they got three guys back there and close it out. Okay, it's been Sir Anthony, but again, they've got Dave Robertson back there. They've got Brad Hand, who's not really a full-time closer now, but he's certainly done a little bit of it. And you you look around the lineup now, and they 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 filled their center field slot up, and there's a guy named Harper who's coming back. Yeah. Their lineup is thumping now, so. If you say, well, it's just the old Phillies, blah, 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 you're wrong, okay? The Phillies are not the Phillies we beat at the first part of the season and we trumpled on last year. They've got their tails up right now, and if we blink, we could be looking up at them. So we need to keep our eyes focused on doing our bit. We can't beat them until we play them. We have to beat the teams that we play, 
and we have to be ready, and we can't sit back and say, well, you know, boy, Wheeler's pitching really good today. Let me watch. Uh, because we've, we've got to take the Phillies seriously because they're seriously good right now. They are, and their schedule is not entirely unfavorable either. Now, their next four opponents are the Mets, the Reds, the Mets, and the Reds in alternate fashion. But then they have They're Pittsburgh. They're going to give the Mets all the Mets want. I think they okay. will, too. Yeah. They're going to give the Mets all the Mets want because uh, Castellanos is hot. Schwarber's hot. Uh, they're going to give the Mets everything they want and, and probably too much and probably more. So you know, yeah. go, go Phillies beat Mets. But, the, hey, when you come to us, we want you to forget <laughs> how to play the game. Yeah, I, I kind of am going to be torn as to who to root for in those series. Uh, other than that, they've got seven against the Reds. That should be easy for them. they got three against Pittsburgh and then Arizona, San Francisco, and then it's uh, divisional opponents, including Atlanta for two series late in September with uh, a couple of hiccups in their schedule. they got Toronto for two games, oddly enough, and then they finish the season against Houston, except for the little detail that by that point, Houston's not going to care. Yeah. So if the Phillies need to have some wins there, they'll probably be able to get them because they finish with the Cubs, the Nationals, and the Astros in that in that order. So I, I'm in full agreement with you. We cannot take the Phillies lightly. I had thought that they had you know filled some holes, but I didn't realize at the time that we talked about it just how well they had filled those holes. And yeah, I think they are are a bit of a unsung force to be reckoned with that uh, could certainly jump up and and bite you. So uh, I I do think they're definitely looking like a playoff team at this point. Yeah, there's there's a good chance there's a good chance they could kick the Padres out of this. I mean, they they could they could come up and make the, make life awful hard for for everybody. I mean, just everybody. Everybody, Padres, us, Mets, everybody, Cardinals, they can just trouble for everybody. Yeah, I'm not sure who I want to see less right now, the Phillies or the Padres. <laughs> you could go either way on that one. Well, I think that's going to pull us off the front porch. It's, uh, it's time to get out of these rockers and go back and start typing. So thank you for joining us today, but please do us the favor of checking out our writing efforts on TomahawkDick.com. We'll do our best to share our thoughts in a cogent way about the Atlanta Braves, and we'll look forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you. This day-night doubleheader filler edition of Off Leo's Rocker is a podcast presentation for fans of the Atlanta Braves. It's brought to you from TomahawkTake.com and the far-reaching and ever-growing podcast network of Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, which is made possible by the fact that we record this nonsense at a secret location. All rights reserved. All of the musical selections used in this episode come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. So please, patronize our sponsors after you go walk your dog. Hey, don't look now, but as we've posted this, the Braves are now on a four-game win streak. Even as they're going through injured players at a record clip. Yikes. But with that, we'll see y'all next time, right here on Off Leo's Rocker. So be good, y'all.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.